Hello, folks, and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. For those of you who don't know, I also run the blog, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com, which I know is a mouthful. I cover the best in alternative goth, metal, punk, and more from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I am a proud Gen Xer who loves waxing poetic in the music of my youth and discussing it, dissecting it, and obsessing over it. And I'm now branching out into the world of podcasting. This actually marks the first episode of the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. Taking me a while to get this started, but better late than never, and I could not have had a better guest to kick things off. And this special guest is none other than Kevin Haskins, the founding member and drummer of Bauhaus, Tones on Tail, and Love and Rockets, three iconic post-punk bands who should be no stranger to any of you who are well-versed in that genre. Haskins is revisiting his Bauhaus roots in his new book called Bauhaus Undead. The visual history and legacy of Bauhaus It's out March 16th via Cleopatra Records. It's a deluxe coffee table book full of personal recollections, band photos, posters, and much more. In our interview, we discussed the new book and his favorite memories of his time in Bauhaus. We also talked about his new project, Pop Tone, which sees him reuniting with his Bauhaus, Tones on Tail, and Love and Rockets bandmate Daniel Ash, and also features his daughter, Diva Dampe. So sit back and enjoy. Okay, well, I've had a chance to look at the promo materials for your new book, about House Undead. It looks really great. It looks amazing. And it feels like a true labor of love. And I was curious, when did you first have the idea to do the book? And how long did it take the process to get it all together? This is quite a long answer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a good friend of mine, Matt, uh, who works at Cleopatra, uh, he suggested the idea. And I, so I've got this big container in my basement um, full of all memorabilia and ephemera and and uh, I had no idea of, to use it in any way. I just collected it, you know. And um, he suggested I do a coffee table book. And um, and he also offered, you know, like a publishing deal on Cleopatra. And the deal wasn't, I didn't, well, it was kind of a standard deal. And But I just felt, you know, I'm going to do a lot of work and, you know, there's a lot of, lot of value to this, <clears throat> all the stuff I have. So I thought I'm going to self-publish. So I went up, so I started to kind of look into how to do that. And, um, and then at the same time, I kept running into this guy called Jeff Anderson at shows. It was kind of like we were, we were going to the same shows all of a sudden. And we were, it was like fate had put us together, it seemed, you know, and about the third time we met, I asked him what he did. And he's, he said, uh, he makes these box sets, uh, for like, so I said, you know, that he's, he's done Nine Inch Nails, Sigur Ross, um, Fleetwood Mac, Pixies. And, and I said, I'd love to see these. So I went around his house and they're amazing, you know, like books and box sets and just very creative, <clears throat> really beautiful, very high class. And I said, you know, I, I think you should help me with the book. And he said, I'd love to, you know, and he's, <clears throat> he's a very excite, excitable, he's a big character, you know. <laughs> and uh and he has a lot of energy good energy and um and i just thought well this is meant to be so we kind of went off on this completely artistic road and didn't really think of the business side of things <clears throat> and we were like yeah i said i want this huge book and with a slip case and and uh you know really really high quality this and that and we didn't you know i, was, I wasn't thinking how much is this going to cost and um so we designed this book. He brought in these great layout artists, um, Donnie Phillips and Kaylee Carrington. She did the, uh, all the archiving 
I just gave them all my stuff and they took it up to Colorado and, you know, just did an amazing layout. I, I gave them some direction. I said, I said, it, I want the book to be sort of kind of more austere, uh, very simple, more like a high art book, not like a rock and roll book with paint splotches. And, you know, I just wanted it to be look very refined. Mm-hmm. And that's the only direction they get. And they, they did a great job. Um, so, yeah, so we, you know, we started, then I started to promote it and I was writing the stories and it was all coming together. And this was like over like a year and a half. <clears throat> and I started doing online promotion and that was going really well, like social media. And then it was only like a few weeks before the book, we were going to put it on a pre-sale, like a crowdfunding thing to, cause I didn't have any money to make the book. So the idea was to, you know, like put it on pre-sale and then get the orders in and get the money to make the book. Then I could go into production with it. And a few weeks before the date, we were going to put it on pre-sale. I started to think the business side and like, Jeff, so how much is the book going to cost to make? And he told me, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's <clears throat> insane. It was like really high. And how much is it going to cost the ship? And then we just started looking at all these figures and it was just crazy. And I was like, Oh my God, this. So anyway, we put it on sale and there's also a big problem that morning that Wix's server went down. So I was getting no orders in my store for like seven hours. <laughs> and this was like a year and a half of, you know, there's a huge build up to this morning, this day, you know, where I put it on pre-sale, all this work, tons of work and effort had gone into this <clears throat> and nobody could buy it. And I was calling up Wix saying, you don't understand. And I was having a break, <laughs> breakdown like you, you can't do this to me. And I explained what, what, what was going on. And they said, we're really sorry. And I said, well, anyway, they said it would probably be five or six hours, which it was. <clears throat> so I didn't get very many orders like w- with this type of thing. You have to, you know, in the first two or three days, you know, that that's when you get the orders <clears throat> and I, I didn't get enough. So then we thought, <clears throat> well, let's come up with a smaller book. Maybe we can get more orders that way, which we did. And we put that up and we did get some orders, but in the end I didn't get enough orders to go and get it made. And I had to refund all the money. And, um, Ugh. it was really, uh, it was kind of devastating, you know, and uh, so then I started to go to publishers <laughs> and and what I wanted to do was I wanted to get a North American publisher because um, I with when I self-published the book, I learned all about, you know, where our fan base are, the demographic, everything about them, about shipping and about fulfillment. I know everything <clears throat> to do with everything that is to do with book publishing and production now. <clears throat> um, so I, I thought, well, I, you know, I, at least in North America, if I have to ship the book, it's going to, and that's our main, you know, two thirds of our audience, our fans are in North America. So I thought, uh-huh. well, at least they're going to be able to afford to get it shipped if need be. And sorry, the rest of the world. I mean, it's just like shipping costs are what they are. And so, um, and I have no control over that. So uh, reached out. Got some interest, mainly in the UK. Boutiques, publishers, didn't have any distribution. And basically, I came back to Square One with nothing. Now, this is like almost two years after I started. And I was around my friend Matt's house. And he was saying, oh, look at this book we just put up with Hanoi Rocks, I think it was. And he said, 
so we did a really good deal and it was a much better deal than he offered me to begin with. And I said, well, can you do the same deal? And he's like, I think we can. And so they did. <laughs> so I was like, well, I, I was also handing them a book on a plate that was all ready to go to print. And I, there was a lot of money went into it and a lot of work. So, you know, I kind of deserved a better deal. But I was so grateful to have a publisher and just to get the book out. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we put it on pre-sale in October of last year. And, and then the, the street date for it's March the 16th. And then it, it's going to go to Amazon and book stores all over the world. I told you it was a long answer. <laughs> no, that's. I was wondering how long it would take. It's such. A, I mean, just when I was looking from the press materials, there's a lot of you know packed in there. And I was looking through the excerpts. I saw the things like the Pill Sessions recollection and your Coachella memories of that performance. And I imagine those are pretty fresh in your mind. But if there's anything when you're going through the research that you had forgotten about over the years that kind of came flooding back to you? Anything that you would use you know, some recollections that had kind of, you know, faded in time and you're kind of glad to rediscover them when you're doing this process? Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of the stories. I was I was kind of uh, scared that I wouldn't be able to recall anything because my memory is really bad <clears throat> and I didn't keep diaries or anything like that. But uh there were certain stories that I would always recount if I was in a pub with some friends and like, Oh, did I tell you about the time David Bowie lit my cigarette? <laughs> um, so I, so I had, you know, these, these bullet points for most of the stories, but then, but it, what was amazing or interesting was, um, as I began to write things down, then all the gaps started to get filled in. It was all in there. But I think just when you start the writing process and you have a <clears throat> a goal, I think it helps uh, recall all the bits you need to find, you know. And I mean, now you're saying how long the process took and the issues with the publishing and all that. Was that the hardest part of making the book? Or what was, I guess, what would be the hardest part of making the book? And what was the, the easiest and most enjoyable part of, of putting the book together? Um, I think writing, writing the stories was in, really enjoyable and interesting for me because I hadn't really, uh, I mean, since leaving high school, <laughs> hadn't written any stories or essays. And, um, and I actually read, um, I was reading Peter Hook's book and John, and then I went and looked at John Lydon's book again. And cause I, I just wanted to get a feel for how they wrote. And I, I, I noticed that they kind of wrote with their own voices mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, they wasn't any kind of pretense of trying to, you know, uh, look like an accomplished writer. You know, they just, it was, you could hear them. And I thought, okay, that's the way to do this. You know, so that was, <clears throat> that was a good tip and a good lead. And, um, yeah, so that was the most enjoyable part, I think. And, uh, yeah, I think the, when the whole pre-sale failed, when I knew that it was a failure, you know, that it had failed, that was, <clears throat> I had a mini meltdown. <laughs> it was, I mean, you have to put things in perspective in life, you know, like it wasn't the end of the world, but at that moment in time for me, it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I was wondering, looking at, you know, the information that you put into the, into the press release, 
Was this entirely all your recollections or did any of the band members contribute anything or did you get information from fans as far as, you know, some of their fan art or was this all your own memorabilia? I was kind of curious how you compiled everything. Okay. Um, as far as the stories go, I, it's funnily enough, I, I, you know, I've lived in Los Angeles for like 25 years now. And, and, uh, that was one, I, I needed to fill in some gaps for when we first played in Los Angeles. <clears throat> and so, uh, my, a, a good friend of mine is Joseph Brooks who ran a record store, a record store on Melrose Avenue called Vinyl Fetish. And I went around, he was the only person I went to interview and I just went around his house and I said, just tell me about, remind me you know, about when we visit, <laughs> visited. But he also told me stories about when he went, he would go to England to buy records for his store, you know, specifically go get on a plane with his partner and they'd go to record stores. And, and during one of those visits, he went to see Bauhaus and he, you know, he told me stories about, his, we, we were walking to the show and, it was, he said it was kind of like being in a movie as we were walking there, like out of kind of side roads would come all these leather clad, like post punks and goths with Bauhaus painted on the back of their leather jackets. And, and in the end, it was just like this army was being formed, you know, leading up to the, the gig. It was, it was quite remarkable, you know, which I thought that was a really good visual thing. Um, yeah. So, and also I, when, when we met, Iggy Pop, I had a different recollection of how it came together than Daniel. Mm -hmm. So Daniel had a completely different take on it. There was, it was similar in ways, but so I went with Danny's version. Cause he, he was like, no, Kevin, you've got it all wrong. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I met him first. I, I thought I saw him. First, you know. <clears throat> um, but that, that was an amazing experience for all of us, as you can probably imagine, you know, First time in New York. First, we were just checking into the hotel, and and in the bar is Ziggy Park, and this is a really seedy, rundown motel yeah. in Manhattan. Perfect. <laughs> you'd you'd flick on the switch of the, in your room, the light switch, and you suddenly see all these cockroaches. Oh god! <laughs> they just scatter to hide from the light. There was, you know, there was usually like about ten or fifteen, and I hate. <laughs> <laughs> I hate cockroaches. Um, but anyway, that's an interesting story in the book. Um, and as for, yeah, so I have to give a name check to Gabor, Vincent Forrest, and Andrew Brooksbank. And they all live in Europe. And they they are all collectors of all the band, like, you know, Bauhaus, Love and Rockets, Turns and Tail. Um, and they... Andrew Brooksbank actually helped Beggar's Banquet with a lot of reissues and, and with sleeve notes. He actually made a coffee table book himself on Bauhaus. And uh, he made up a uh, like a chronological uh, detail of events, you know, like uh, when we recorded this song, when it was released, what we had for breakfast on this day. Mm -hmm. and, and it was it was really um, extremely useful for me. And he, he's very he's, he's very guarded about it, but he said I'll let you I'll share it with you so you can so it was, that was extremely useful um, for for writing you know um, but they also <clears throat> said do you need anything and I said well yeah I'm writing the story about this 
but I don't have a flyer or a poster. And they're like, I think I've got it. And, you know, like they'll go up to their attics and they have like so much material and a lot of stuff you, you, you ask yourself, where the hell did they get like, like a master tape? Like, where the hell did they get that from? (laughs) How did they come across this? Um, one of them has items of Danny's clothing, a lot of items of his clothes, like really avid collectors and fans, you know, and they were so helpful as you can imagine, because they've filled in some missing uh, parts that I needed. And when you're doing the book, did it cause you to kind of re-examine your legacy or, or give you a different perception of your time in the band or did it change anything like that at all for you? Um, well, I, I set out, I wanted this to be a celebration of the band. And, you know, sometimes you read um, books by band members and they, you know, they kind of air dirty laundry. And mm-hmm. and I, I didn't want to do that. I just, because, you know, my, there, you know, <laughs> ups and downs, I'm sure every band member will tell you that. But um, I just wanted to like focus on just like the good times and there were a lot of good times. I mean, a lot of good times. And we were, you know, we had, in the early days, as soon as we started to get some notoriety, the English-British press was so against us. And they, and it wasn't just in a mild way. They were, like, really vicious. And they would write poisonous things about us. They hated us, in, mainly. Really, <laughs> really hated us. So... <clears throat> Uh, you know, pretentious Bauhaus copyists and like this, like our first album just got right, right to over the coals. It's just like, you know, just pretentious garbage. And like, so we, we, it, that made us pull closer together. And I, I remember us like, we were like a gang and we're like, and I remember like when we used to play gigs, we were like, we're going to show you, you know? So mm-hmm. there was all this like energy, that kind of energy of like, we're going to prove ourselves because we know we're really good, you know? And, um, so I just wanted, I wanted to focus on that rather than, you know, the other side of things where, where think you know, at the times weren't so good. And, um, and so also I, you know, there's people think we were really serious, dark, you know, like, uh, people and, and that, you know, there's a lot of humor, you know, we're just, we're normal people, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we would make jokes and make fun of things and, and um, so I wanted that. I wanted to show that side, but it just came out, you know, in, in the stories, you know, naturally. So, yeah. And, and has any of the band members have they had a chance to look at the book, or have they not seen it yet? I was curious, have they had their reactions yeah. to it? Yeah, I, I sent each of them a copy, <laughs> and uh, they gave me really glowing remarks on it. They were really impressed and um, thought I did a great job and. Wish me luck with with it, you know. So that's great. Well, as a diehard Bauhaus fan, I have to ask: when you were doing this and and reconnecting with them, did they give anything? If is there anything else we could do with this band, or do you feel like that chapter's closed, or do you ever kind of think if we could still do something in the future, or or basically you just the doors open, but there's nothing really been discussed. Um. <clears throat> well, I I have learned to never say never. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to say never. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like you know Daniel and 
I mean, Peter and David are going out and doing a few shows. Uh, you know, Daniel and I are doing Pop Tone at the moment. And um, I don't know if you're aware, about that, aware of that project. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to ask you about that next. So Okay. Um, so we, we, we're really having a lot of fun doing that. Um, so I don't know. Just I think for, for Daniel, I doesn't feel right for now maybe in the future you know we're not closing the door on it but Mm -hmm. i think we just kind of more into what we're doing with pop time and i know you guys did a bunch of dates last year i was curious do you have anything planned for 2018 and also i was curious are you ever going to try to do any new material have you discussed any new material or is that something that's just not really been mentioned or okay uh we have a uh, tour that's just going to be announced. We, you know, we go out in little short legs, mm-hmm. to, so we keep our sanity. <clears throat> and uh, we're doing a West Coast run in May, and then there's another run being set up for June and July. Um, and <clears throat> we're also looking. You know, we're just kind of seeing where the interest is and. Uh, you know, was also looking maybe to go on like a package tour where, uh-huh. <clears throat> you know, you get like, we'd probably be the opening act and then you get two other bands that, you know, much bigger than us, you know, looking into doing something like that, maybe. Um, and as for new material, uh, we have discussed it and um, we, we, we might... You know, I would really like to do new material. Um, Daniel just, he's, he, he's the sort of guy that can only focus on one thing at one time. <clears throat> and he puts everything into it. <clears throat> and he's still into, like, you know, we're going out. Because we're introducing some new songs as well when we go out again. Um, and there's, you know, there's I've found about four or five that are really strong that we haven't done. So, um so it's exciting. And I th- think we just like really focused on that, but hopefully, you know, he has said from time to time that he, yeah, I could maybe you know, do some new stuff, but I think that'd be really interesting <clears throat> to do. And so I hope that happens. Yeah. And what has it been like playing with your daughter in pop tone? I know that was, <laughs> and I don't, I want to get her last name pronounced correct. It's Diva. Is it Domp or Dompe or how, how do I pronounce that? Dompe. Dompe. Got it. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So what has it been like playing um, with her? <clears throat> um, just unbelievably amazing, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to put into words. But I, I, I really feel she's brought so much to the project as well um, in so many ways. So I'm really, you know, glad that she ended up getting the spot, you know, and we all get on really well. Um, you know, Daniel and her had to get, it, had to get to know each other, but, uh, you know, they could connect really well on a lot of subjects and, um, yeah, it's just really, you know, I'll be playing and I look over and, well, there's my daughter, you know, <laughs> and she's nailing it. You know, she, she's really, She's a real great bass player. She's just so solid. 
and we lock in really well together i think you know so um it's very gratifying and marvelous and heartwarming and you know it's wonderful feel very blessed and i'm i'm sure at this point you got through you know taking three years to make a book and you haven't even probably even gone on to think about this but do you think you may want to do another book in the future maybe about love and rockets or tones on tail or even something entirely different do you think you may have kind of got a taste for doing doing this again in the future yeah i i've contemplated that you know i think love and rockets would be a good you know good book um I really don't have that much material on them, on that band. Um, so I would. Re- I, I was thinking well, the only way to do it would be uh, to make it very much like a communal um, effort, which I think would be really nice anyway. It's just like to get fans involved mm-hmm. to, you know, submit stuff. And, uh, and so I, I thought actually that'd be really a nice way of going about it anyway. So, but it is a lot of work. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I, yeah, I'm hoping to do that. So it's an, it's an idea. Yeah. And I know you're gearing up for a, for a, you know, a, a book premiere in LA. And, mm-hmm. um, I guess I was just curious before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to add about the book you want to tell the fans or anything else you wanted to mention about it? And also anything else you want to mention about pop tone or any other projects that you have coming up soon? Uh, well, um, I could, we're just figuring out the details for the book signing. It's, it's only like 11 days away, I think now. Um, but you know, I'm, there's going to be a hundred books for sale. Um, I'm only going to sign books, so don't bring anything else along <laughs> to sign. Um, also going to do a limited edition shirt for the event um, and a poster, and I'll sign the poster. <laughs> and there's also going to be print photo- photographs that I took and flyers that I made from the book. We're going to frame them and sign them and they'll be for sale. <clears throat> um, um, it's going to be a couple of DJs, uh, Danny Lona from nine inch nails. Oh yeah. Perfect circle. Mm-hmm. And a good friend of mine, Casper von DJ. Um, what else? Yeah, I think, Oh, I'm, I'm hoping to raffle an item. I, I have this, uh, there's the test proof copy of the book, which is, which the printer sent to me say, Hey, look at this. Does it do all the colors? Is the, you know, the definition, does it look fine to you? Good to you. And can we go ahead and start printing? And it's, it's not bound. So it's a pile of paper, you know, <laughs> and then a, a mock-up cof- cover. <clears throat> um, and it's unique, you know, there's only one in existence and I'm, I'm interested in, um, you know, I became a vegan five years ago and I'm interested in animal welfare. And so <clears throat> I'm, this was all very last minute. So I should have organized this a few weeks ago, but I only had the idea. So I'd like to, uh, raffle that maybe online and at the signing, uh, for charity for like, so I'm talking to a certain organization in LA and I just want to 
I haven't got their blessings yet, so I don't want to give their name. But anyway, so I'm trying to get that together as well. And I think that for a collector, that would be a really prized item because it's unique. You know, there's only one of those. Um, and what else? We talked about Pop Town. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have an LP coming out. Uh, we did a session for a radio show called Part Time Punks in LA on KXLU. And um, it's a great show, and it's run by this guy, Michael Stark. And uh, uh, we did a session, and we it was very much like a pitch on peel session. Okay. And we just went in and we just banged out the songs. And um, we got 13 down in like three hours. And then we spent a lot more time mixing them at another <laughs> studio. <clears throat> um, and so we, that's going to be released on Cleopatra. And we're hoping to get the vinyl in May in time for the tour. And um, so that's exciting. That's going to come out. Um, yeah, I think that's it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wish yeah. you best of luck with the book. It looks really great. I definitely want to get my own copy of it for sure. I was looking at the material with Sean and Sam, like, oh my God, this looks really awesome. So very, very cool. Thank so, you. So best of luck to that and uh, hope to see you on the road with Pop Tone. And thanks very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate your interest. A very, very big thank you to Kevin Haskins for taking the time out to do this interview. I really appreciate it. I hope you all enjoy listening to it. Uh, next week, we have another exciting interview coming up. I'll be talking to Dean Ween regarding his new solo album, Rock 2, which should be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that. Until then, uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Smells Like Sad. You can follow me on Station Head at SLIS. And be sure to visit my blog, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. You can find past interviews with David J. and Daniel Ash for those Bauhaus and Lover Rockets fans. So until then, take care and talk to you soon.